Welcome to this week's episode of the Practical Pastor Podcast, where we explore God's Word to give you practical, real-world, everyday advice. We're going to explore real people with real problems, get real help, and find real answers. I'm Trevor Martin, here with my lifelong friend, Corey Cantrell, and this is the Practical Pastor Podcast. All right, welcome to our very first episode of The Practical Pastor. Man, I am so excited to see what's going to be happening and how we're going to be able to take some look at some things and present this stuff to you guys. Um, of course, we're here with, with my friend Corey Cantrell. How you doing today, Corey? Doing well, Trevor. How about yourself? Man, doing great. I'm excited to finally see some snow starting to melt. You know, up, up in Montana where we are, we had like, uh, goodness, every bit of three, three and a half foot of snow within, within like a month. And then now spring's here. So, like, I've got spring fever. But you guys, you're, like, already in the 70s, right? Well, we were for, like, two days. And then, you know, we're over here on the East Coast. So we had 70 for a couple of days and then 40 and then 60 and then 25 with, like, 850 inches of rain in between. So, you know, <laughs> that's just how it is. But we're holding down the fort over here. Didn't they actually get, like, some flooding over in Tennessee or something from all that rain? I know there's been a whole lot that's been going on in the Midwest as a result of all the rain and snow melting and everything like that. So it's oh been yeah, like crazy. Nebraska or something. Yeah, man. Well, well, we're actually really looking forward to the to the springtime here. I'm excited to be able to get out and do some hiking and stuff. You know, it's like, well, well, once you've been cooped up in the house for for months at a time, it's like, good night. I'm ready to go do something. <laughs> you know, talk about cabin fever. You know. Yes, sir. Well, we've got a really exciting show lined up for today. Uh, this, especially being our very first, you know, practical pastor episode. And, you know, if if you listen to our opening, what we're going to have is different segments for you guys. Uh, so everyone is going to be joining us and listening. Remember to click subscribe. You'll be able to get some help, something from God's word. Every single week, this is something we're going to present to you with some kind of a practical piece of advice as well as something from God's Word that has, has a character, you know, which is something really neat. That's something Corey's going to be bringing to us with, uh, with a character reference, something that you can take and apply to yourselves. We've got some interesting thoughts. And, and don't forget, we're going to be doing question and answers, too. Uh, this is something that, that I feel like a lot of people really they really struggle with. They'll be looking at something in God's Word, and they're just thinking, well, goodness, what, is this? what does this mean? Well, we want you guys to take part in the show as well. So I guess, Corey, we'll just go ahead and, and jump on in and take a look at what we've got for today. Sounds good. Um, the, the first thing that we're going to be talking about today is this, this idea of worship. Um, worship. You know, man, it seems like, it seems like worship is, is something that uh, that there's something obviously we all know that we need to really be taking part in, but I think also lately, I'm really not sure to, when to put a date on it, but I feel like worship today has changed from what uh, from what God's word really started off to be. I mean, I mean, tell me this, Corey, what do you think when when someone says the word worship? What do you think the modern person uh, thinks of when, when they think of worship? So when I hear worship today. Uh, I think I think most people have this misconception and they have this idea that worship is is almost like a fabricated feeling, you know, something that is pumped up, it's primed, it's this warm and fuzzy just almost wash over effect, you know, like like something is just is just taking over you when uh, in reality worship is uh, it's it's not strict and stringent and and just have to be so methodical and mundane, but but there is order into it, you know. 
there's there's a there's a there's a procedure about it and and uh a seriousness, I guess, is the word that I'm really yeah. looking for, and, and a reverence about, not about us or, or our experiences or what we are feeling, but really about just offering praise to a great God that is worthy of everything that we can utter. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think, too, um, you know, it, it's not to say that that doing worship or giving God worship can't be an emotional thing. Sure. I mean, you know, you can you definitely have emotions when you're worshiping. But but I think I think what what we need to do is is for our practical point this week is we actually need to distinguish what worship itself it actually is. Absolutely. Um, so so the verse the verse that I often go to to pull from that is going to be John four twenty four, uh, where the Bible tells us that God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So, so the Bible gives us two two keys, two things that God's looking for when we worship. Um, you know, well, there's there's a spirit and there's the truth. And the best way to figure out what spirit is, it obviously it's it's going to be what's not in the body. So, so that's not to say that you know we can't see a person that's worshiping. You know, if I see a person that he's he's down on his knees and he's weeping in prayer as he's as he's talking to God, well, well, well goodness, we know that guy. He's having a time alone with the Lord. So you can see that, but I do think the big word that that really maybe messes us up sometimes, and I'm not picking on anyone that would use this, I just want to make sure that we're right by the Scripture, um, worship is not something that we experience. Absolutely. You know, it's not, it's not something I think that, that I feel. You know, boy, I, mm-hmm. I experienced so much worship today. Well, well yeah, now maybe, we, maybe we, we are worshiping, and while that is something that we do, Instead of me trying to experience it, I think instead, probably the best word's offering. Right. You know, if, I, if I had to think of one. Um, but because I, I think we could even make the distinction. Don't, don't you think that even in the Old Testament, their worship would be when they were taking a lamb and they were offering it up to God as, as, a, as a sacrifice? Sure. I mean, I would, I would almost think worship is really, worship is a step of obedience. You know, we're, we're commanded to worship. You know we're we're commanded uh, even in like Philippians chapter number four we're we're commanded rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice you know so oh yeah we we are we're ordered to worship God which is just a like like you said it's it's an offering it is a it is an offering of our praise true worship we we can employ worship whether we receive anything from it or not now I mean you know as well as I do. If, if we are truly in a heart and a mind frame of worship, we are going to experience fellowship with God. And oh, there's, yeah. there's going to be some enjoyment that comes from that. But real worship is not given for what we can get out of it. Real worship is, listen, God is worthy of this, whether I feel like it or not, whether everything is going right in my life or not, I'm just going to lift praise to God for He is worthy. And then as we step out in obedience of our worship, then some of that other experience, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff that, that is, has kind of become a part of worship, we can get some of that. But that's more of the byproduct of worship rather than what worship actually is. So it's almost like a matter of just getting the cart before the horse. Exactly. You know, it's, it's seeing that we're doing what God has told us to. And then if, if that... You know, if there's something that causes me to have an emotion, well, then, man, that's a wonderful thing. But, you know, I'll, I'll admit, as being human, there are times that I honestly don't feel, you know, excited 
about maybe getting up early and reading my Bible. Right. You know, you know, if I've if I've had a long day the day before and I'm just you know wore out, you know, sometimes that bed is more comfortable. I'm not, you know, excited about offering something up to the Lord at that time. But Absolutely. at the same time, that's what God has commanded us to do. Sure. So, so I think that's why we have to make the distinction, as in, you know, with John. So, what is worship? It's something that we do, you know, in spirit. It's it's what it's what's going to be in our heart. It's it's quieting our heart, and also in in truth. You know, one of the things that really strikes me is when you go and look at some of the stuff that Paul has said in his writings. He talked about all the good stuff that he had being, uh, you know, be, being a Roman, right, or. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, being having all his education and being a Pharisee of the Pharisees, you know, he said he would forsake all of that just for the knowledge of God, right? Just to be able to learn more, and ultimately, I think that's what the Bible is. Sure. You know, it's 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 all it's all knowledge. How much can I dig? How much how much can I learn? You know what? So so in that we see the truth. So so when it comes to us worshiping the Lord, I think the practical point that we need to try to make this week. Uh, is going to be where where am I doing or how am I acting on my worship? And so for our listeners, here's what I want you to try. And this is something that I I try to do myself, and and I'll tell you I've reaped benefits from it. Well, next time that you are whether it's going to be well, let's just take prayer for example. Next time you're spending time with the Lord in prayer, instead of trying to think about what am I going to get out of prayer, maybe for the first five minutes that you're alone with the Lord. Just stop and the same way that the psalmist did, you know, Lord, you are, you are so good to me. I am so undeserving of all the things that you have done for me. Lord, I just want to lift you up. I want to glorify your name. Lord, I'm, I'm thirsty to know more about you. You know, and that's, and that's where we're taking time where we're just quieting our hearts and we're telling God how good he is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, so it's not, it's not about, man, I've, I really feel good from my prayer time, which, which we might. But I think, I think the most important part is going to be what we're giving to God, you know, what, what we're offering with him, which is why I think too, um, most of the time people say with their daily devotional part, you know, they'll have a time of prayer and they'll have a time of reading. So they have a time spiritually with the Lord, and they'll have a time in truth as well. Mm-hmm. So it's um, so when we when we go to you know when we go to church and we're there with the Lord, I think the the key when it comes to worship is in our minds we have to think, okay, what am I offering God today? What is what is He getting from me? Not not what am I going to get out of it? Which which we should you know we should you know learn something from the Scripture. But I think the next time that we're on our knees before the Lord, turn the focus to God. And the next time we walk through the doors at our church this upcoming Sunday, we're going to be thinking, okay, what am I here to offer the Lord today? You know, well, what, am, what am I going to give to Him? And, and I, think, I think that's a good point that you're making there because I, me personally, one of, one of the areas that even our church services that I feel like we're, we're lacking and we're missing is that the average the average believer and, and and even in my life there's been a lot of times where you come to church and you expect to do your worshiping at church but the problem oh, yeah. is there there has been no preparation throughout the week to get our heart ready for worship you know i've i've heard i've heard the the arguments of well you look even in the old testament israel israel worshiped you know when they brought the sacrifice to god that was their time of worship and yeah that's true but there was a lot of preparation that went at home in getting that sacrifice prepared to come and, and be offered. 
there a were, good point. Th- there were there were there were certain qualifications for that sacrifice that had to be met in order to be qualified as a sacrifice before God. So they were preparing at home before they ever came to the tabernacle or the temple to worship. Uh, a lot of the psalms that are pinned down in scriptures were, were temple mount psalms that would be sung on the temple on, on the climb up the mountain to the temple. What was that? That's preparation for worship. You can't just expect to show up at church having put no preparation in throughout the week. Because the world, we're, I mean, we're under attack by the world. You know, it is bombarding us with temptations and, uh, and worldly allurements, things that would try to distract us from what we are coming to church to do. So we have to prepare our hearts throughout the week in our private time, in our alone time. Uh, and and, and that's, that's where the God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth, like what you've been talking about. Because, because before worship is ever public for everybody else to see, Worship must first be private in our own hearts and lives in that preparatory phase to get us to the point that now we are ready to come together as a body of believers and worship the Lord together. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you just you just kind of sparked another point there, too, I think. Um, you were talking about the, the private, the private life. You know, when you go and you look in the New Testament, I think it's in, in Matthew, when the disciples, they went to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Well, one of the things he told him, he said, you're not going to go out where everyone can see you and pray this loud prayer so everyone can see you praying it. He mm-hmm. says, no, you're going to go to your house. You're going to get in your closet and you're going to shut the door. And when you are alone, then you can spend time with God. And I think there's there's a lot of truth in there. You know, it's that that's just when I am shutting everything else and I'm alone with the Lord. Right. And so when, when my heart's prepared there, then I can be ready for the for the public worship. Um, you know that's, that's going to be something that we're offering offering to him. I think Absolutely. so. Yeah. So, so folks, there's there's something I think you, I want you to take and, and let that be your practical point for this week. You know, spend time spend time with God. And when you want to know what worship is, I want I want all our listeners to to practice worship. And what I mean by that is let your worship be geared towards God. Actually, you know, spend time in prayer, telling God how good He is, and then and then when you go to church. Have your mind focus on God, not just saying, "Well, well, I'm here. What what am I going to get? You know, what am, what am I going to learn?" Well, no, focus on God and say, "Lord, what would what would you want me to do today? Well, what can I give to you? How can I glorify you?" And let's turn our focus back towards the Lord, even if it's in even if it's in truth. Hey, we talk about the truth of God just so we can glorify God. So it's all going to be geared back towards Him. So, guys, there's there's your practical point this week. Well, what is your worship? Okay, is it is it something you're just man some kind of fuzzy feeling that you're looking for? Are you just hoping to get an emotional experience, or are you actually gearing your thoughts towards God to give Him something? So let, let's spend time actually this week worshiping Him and in, in spirit and in truth, because because God's a spirit. So man, that's that's what we've got for our practical points. Let's move on. We've got something else good coming up for you guys, Corey. I think you've got a a character for us this week too. Is that right? Yeah, sure do. Uh, you know, as as much as as much as we we can all worship the Lord. I mean that that's that is a that is a landmark thing for for all believers. Everybody can worship God, but I'm afraid a lot of times we think that only certain people can really be used by God. Uh, we we hear the 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 great examples of of Christians that you know we we look at and they're they're almost 
I don't want to say idolized because I don't I don't believe these these are people that that try to do anything to to heap accolades on themselves. They were just greatly used by God. But a lot of times, you know, we think of missionaries, uh, we think of uh, evangelists and and preachers and and pastors that really shook the world with their dedication to Christ. And and there's a lot of believers out there that think, man, those those people were used greatly and they were used mightily by God, but. Uh, you know, because I'm not I'm not called into missions or I'm not called into full time quote unquote full time Christian service, you know, like a preacher or a pastor, I'll never be able to really be greatly used by God in the same vein as those. I just don't have that that calling or ability. Yet the scripture is filled with people who were just what we would consider average, everyday, ordinary, plain Janes and average Joes that, man, they weren't leaders of nations, they weren't prophets of God. Really, just to look at, there would be nothing that we would say was super special about them, yet they were individuals that were willing to allow God to use them with what they had to offer. And so today we're going to look specifically at, at one character from the Old Testament Scriptures. Uh, he's, he's found first in Exodus chapter number 31 and in verse 1. And the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Bezalel is going to be the the individual from Scripture that we look at today. I want to stress home this point. Bezalel was a real-life person. This is an actual, factual person. This was a real-life individual that God has called to a real-life purpose. And the Bible says in verse 3 of Exodus 31, And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. All right, so Bezalel must be some kind of prophet, some kind of priest, right? Keep on reading. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass, and in cutting of stones, to set them, and in carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, I have given with him Aholiab, the son of Ahasamech, of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom, that they may make all that I have commanded thee, the tabernacle of the congregation, and the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is thereupon, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, and the table, and his furniture, and the pure candlestick with his furniture, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offerings with all his furniture, and the laver in his foot, and the cloths of service, and the holy garments for Aaron and the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister in the priest's office, and the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded thee, shall they do. And you say, man, I, I kind of missed all of that. What is that? Let me crack this down and, and, and bring this into a nutshell. God told Moses and gave him the blueprints for the tabernacle, how it was going to be built, what it was going to be made out of, um, all of the, the finery on the inside, uh, the, the, the tables, the chairs, the, all, everything uh, that was going to be used in service. And he said, here's how you're going to make it. But the problem was the nation of Israel at this time were recently delivered slaves from the nation of Egypt. They had no skills in, in cutlery and craftsmanship and in working in fine, fine things. Uh, they knew how to make brick and mortar. Uh, they were used for, for grueling physical labor by the Egyptians. They, they wouldn't have had this skill set. 
So what happened? God equipped Bezalel. God, it said, the Bible says that, it, that I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. God gave Bezalel the skill set necessary to make the priest garments, to make the beautiful golden candlestick, the laver, the table of showbread, everything that was going to come into place inside the tabernacle. God equipped Bezalel to know how to do it. You say, well, that's not really such a big thing. I'm telling you what, when the people of God wanted a place to come together to worship, God had instructed Moses to build all of this stuff. This was vital work that needed to be done. You cannot undersell the work that Bezalel did because it was the work that God called Bezalel to do. It's almost like he was a it's almost like he was just a God called carpenter. Exactly. God didn't call Bezalel to lead the people, right? That's what he called Moses to do. But what he did call Bezalel to do was he called him to be a builder. And, there, and our churches today are filled with good, godly people that God never called to pastor a church. He never called them to leave country and, and go be a missionary in a foreign field. He never called them to be an evangelist. But what he called for them to do was to be faithful laborers in their craft, where we need God-honoring Men and women in the, in the business world. We're, we need people like that. But what he called them to do is, hey, you do it. You do it to the best of your ability. And then you honor God in your work. Bezalel was not doing this work for himself. He was not doing this work to make a name for himself. He was not doing this to, to make a profit. You know, he, he wasn't going to turn around and sell the golden candlestick to the nation of Israel for 400 shekels of silver. You know, he, he was doing this work to honor God. He had particular skills that God had equipped him with that he was going to use to honor God. And, and the, the, thing that, the thing that I thought of that I thought of is this, and, and you, Trevor, can really give more a test of this than I can being a church planner. How valuable would it be for you, while you were getting everything ready for the church plan, how valuable would it have been to have some cunningly skilled men that said, you know what, I can't preach. I may not be ready to teach a Sunday school class yet. But uh, I can hang some sheetrock. I can run some plumbing. I can do some electrical work. Oh, man. I'll tell you this. One of the things that I've I learned, and I guess kind of the hard way, um, so, so for, for our listeners out there, what God has, has called me to do was to be a church planter. And, and we started a church. Um, well, well, the Lord started a church. He just used me to do it, but it was from scratch. And, and what that meant is we had to do uh, everything I mean, as Corey was just saying, you know, being, being a church planner, that means I had to do uh, plumbing work. I had to do painting. I had to do sheetrocking work. Uh, you know, where's, where's the music going to come from? Well, that came down to my wife and I. I had to learn how to direct music, and that ended up being pretty funny at some times because uh, I'm not much of a music person. Uh, and then, of course, there was, there was the preaching, there was the teaching, and when it came to computer work, every, every facet that goes into running a church ended up falling on our shoulders. So and I'm telling you, anyone that had that maybe God gave them a gift to to do one specific thing that they would think, oh, this this isn't ministry related. Listen, God can use it. Mm -hmm. He can do something. Seeing that men are just simply men, you know, God just uses them in different ways and gives them different jobs. Not one person is no better than anyone else. And, and I think that that buys right into the same point of this guy Bezalel. I mean, a guy that's just just a carpenter ready and willing to do whatever it is that God's going to give him to do.
You know, God, God uses men. I remember, I remember when we were in school. There was one day where I stopped and I looked around at all the guys that were in a classroom with us. And I don't know, how, how many guys were in were in school? Because because Corey and we went to school together. We were in there with what fifteen guys, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's probably a good estimate. And and I remember looking around. And at the time, we had like four landscapers. I think there were three guys there that were chunking boxes for UPS. Yeah. You know, uh, one guy turned cable on and off for like Time Warner Cable Company or something. And, and I just got to looking around them one day. It just kind of smacked me between the eyes. I said, we are a rough bunch of guys that God has <laughs> called to be preachers. You know, I'm thinking, man, man, who are we? And I think that's that's still kind of the same point that, you know, Christians are Christians. God's people are God's people. And and we, we just have to be willing to use the talents that he's given us wherever they are. Sure. I, I look at I look at a guy like Bezalel and like the point that you were making about the the smorgasbord of students that that we had together. Right. And and I, and I can't help but come back to the illustration in the New Testament where where the church is compared to a body. You know, uh, we are all one body, but many members, and the head is Christ. And and I had this thought the other day. I, I was I was reading that passage and I was thinking about it. And you know, if we think about it. Especially with our with our modern with our modern technology, there's really not a member of the body that you cannot live without, other than the head. If you lose That's an true. arm, you can you can make it. Even even the internal organs. I mean, there's there's technology available that even if you don't have a heart, they they can put an artificial heart in you. And, and, and so there's there is not a part of the body that that you cannot now. now you might be uncomfortable without it. And there may be some limitations because you don't have this part that is functioning the way that it should. But other than the head, there's really not much that, and, I, and there's nothing that I can think of that, that we can live without. And the same is true in the body of Christ. Uh, there's, there's none of us that are so important that, you know, well, if, if I wasn't around, you know, such and such wouldn't go on. No, the, only, the most important part of the body is the head, and that's Christ. Yep. Yet... All of the rest of us have something vitally important to do, because if you don't have that arm, there is an inconvenience. Uh, you, you miss your big toe, and your balance is is thrown off big time. You know, it, you can still make it, but it's a whole lot more inconvenient. And that's where Bezalel ties in. That's where Moses tied in. That's where Aaron tied in. That's where all of all of the different people tie in, and they all had their different individual roles. Now, the head was God. The father. He was he was the leader of the nation of Israel. He was the most important one. And he was the one that Israel could not make it without. Yet everyone else had their roles. And so long as everyone fulfilled their God called role, the body functioned the way that it was supposed to. Oh yeah. And even in our churches today, the head is Christ. He is the most important one. He's the one that we can't live without. And so long as all of the rest of us aren't envious about what part of the body we are or are not, and we're just focused and concerned that whatever my role is, I'm going to do it to the God-given best of my ability. And I'm going to be the best—hey, be the best big toe that you can be. Right. Because, because that's our function. That's what we are called to do. And, and that's what Bezalel was called. I think that's what uh, I think that's going to be the biggest point that we need to make to our listeners is that you know just because you, know, you might not have some kind of flashy position or known position that doesn't make any person any less valuable. Absolutely, know, that, that we're all you know it's like the old saying goes that the the ground is level at the foot of the cross. 
You know, we're, we're, all, we're all God's people. We're all saved by grace, by the same gift that He gave us on the cross. And with that, He just gives us different jobs. You know, so, so we're still, there's a lot of value in what's going on there. I think that's a good point. And, you know, Bezalel's not a guy that you hear about very no. much. But may not hear about him a lot. But you sure heard about his his work a lot. I mean, how many how many messages have you heard preached on the table of show, showbread and the candlestick and all of the things that he had the opportunity to build? You may not have heard about the man much, but you heard about his work a whole lot. That's a good point. And, and tell tell me that that's not what we should all be living for. I, you know, in 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 150 years from now, I can go ahead and tell you right now, there ain't nobody that's going to know the name Corey Cantrell. I, I, that's just, but. Hopefully, 150 years from now, there's some great-great-grandkids that were impacted because of some work that I was able to do in their great-great-granddaddy or their great-great-grandmother's life, that there are lasting ramifications that, though my name may not be well-known, perhaps my work can have an impact years later. And when that is our goal, much like Bezalel's was, hey, I'm just going to be faithful to do the work that God has called me to do, and I'm going to let him search the rest out. Our name may not be known, but our work will last for eternity. Yeah, that, that, that's a very good point. Man, so so Bezalel, like you said, honestly, I can't remember the last time I've even heard the guy's name before you brought it up today. You don't often hear much about his message, but yeah, it was an important work, very important work. Well, folks, here's one other thing we want to do for you. Uh, the last thing we want to do each day, and, and we had mentioned this if you've listened to our intro, we want to give you guys a question of the day or possibly even uh, multiple questions if you guys start bringing these things in because we know a lot of folks, they have some really interesting thoughts. Um, there's a couple different ways that you can send your questions in. If you're familiar with Quora, Q-U-O-R-A, that is just simply a question and answer website. I mean, you go on there, you you can ask anyone that's there any question, and then you might have 50 different answers, and the best answer is going to get upvoted, you know, up, 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 and then it's going to be the top answer or whatever. Um, we are on Quora. You can find us at A Practical Pastor. Uh, if you just look up, you know, us, you can ask us specifically a question through there where we can uh, where we can answer your question on the website, and we'll host that question on the show, and we'll talk about it with the next show that would be coming up. Uh, you can also email us if you would like it to be done through email. You can contact us at apracticalpastor at gmail.com. Apracticalpastor at gmail.com. It's also, we have a website there too. You can reach us through our website at apracticalpastor.com as well. Uh, anyhow, for for now, this being our very first episode, we've been on Quora for a little bit. Uh, this was not a question that was specifically asked to us, but it is one that we have been involved in. And I thought this was a, a great one. Uh, because I I remember hearing this when I was little, I remember hearing about it growing up, and and I struggled, I struggled with, you know, with what it means to, uh, to turn the other cheek. I mean, I mean, Corey, surely you've heard that someone's someone's coming at you with something. Oh well, brother, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. I mean, you've had people tell you that, you know. Oh yeah. And and you, and wouldn't you know it? You know, Christians, we're supposed to be pacifists. You know, we're not. We're not supposed to get into into fights. We're not supposed to get into brawls. You know, we're not. You know, we're, we're just supposed to be this peace loving and gentle people. And and by the way, I hope you can hear the sarcasm dripping off of my lips because because Corey and I we've actually just finished up reading a book not long ago where it talks about how you've got men like like David, man, you've got these mighty men of valor who 
who oh, man they went they went to war and you got David he he threw a rock between Goliath's eyes and cut the guy's head off. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, why didn't David turn the other cheek? Well, here's what the question was specifically. The question was asked: How do you apply Matthew five thirty nine in your own life? And that's that verse: turning the other cheek, Matthew five thirty nine. Mm-hmm. Well, and and believe it or not, you know I've I've preached on this a couple different times. And here's here's what I think people miss. And this is this is a phrase that that I have coined, you know, in in, in my ministry. Uh, I, I can't. I, I don't think this is in the Bible. But there's something that I I like to call God's law of love. God's law of love. And this is this is where that comes in, guys. The Bible never says that we are supposed to just take abuse. We're not supposed to just just lay down and, and let people run over us. And the Bible never says we're supposed to be pacifists. I mean, you, you look at you look at some of the stuff that's going to happen in the future when it comes to what God's going to do to uh, to sin and what you know the battle that's going to be taken on there. I mean, folks, well, we know God's a warrior. I mean, he's he's going to come right again on his white horses, and there's going to be a great battle that's going to be fought. And he sent he sent his people, the Israelites. He sent them into war. With the Ark of the Covenant in the front. I mean, that's, um, you know, we understand that's who our God is. So while God is a God of peace and a God of love, we also understand there's a time for fighting. So here's, here's how this works. When you actually read the whole context of Matthew chapter number 5, if you remember, that's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, he taught this sermon himself. What you start to find out is this. God wants us to see people with love, and He wants to see them with peace before it ever comes to a fight. Um, you know, I'll give you I'll give you this example. Like, okay, let's say you know, I'll even I'll even use you here, Corey. Um, you know, so so let's say say Corey and I, you know, we're we're hanging out, and and we are much more tactfully with one another when we're standing in front of a microphone than we are when, when we're when we're together. I mean, we'll, you know, we'll cut and we'll dig and we'll, you know, we'll joke with one another. But let's say just for some whatever reason, I take one of those jokes too far. And, and man, I've, I have offended you. And, and now Corey, he is just so upset at me. I mean, he just, well, without even thinking, he just, he just lets his fist fly and he cracks me right between the eyes. And so I, so I fall backwards. I've got, I've got two black eyes and a bloody nose. And here I am on the ground. Now, I have a decision point. Corey is, is my, he's my brother in Christ. He's my friend. I have to decide what is going to be my thought towards this situation. Am I going to, out of God's law of love, am I going to turn the other cheek? Or am I just going to step back up and decide that I'm going to get into a fight? What God would want us to do is God would want me to look at Corey and say, you know what? Corey's my buddy. I care about this guy. And because I care about him, I don't want to see him on the ground with a bloody nose also. See, that's that's where turning the other cheek comes in. Turning the other cheek doesn't mean that, you know, there's there's a burglar. He's breaking into my home tonight, and he is actively trying to hurt my wife and children. I th- No, that is not... That is not me turning the other cheek. I am going to fight for my kids. You know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to fight for my wife. I'm going to fight for my country. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to fight for God's word. But when it comes to personal relationships, when it comes to our testimony, 
Folks, that's, that's what I believe God is trying to push. So how have I applied that in my own life? Well, I'll tell you this. There have been times where people have, have been, um, they have been upset towards things maybe that, that I've said or maybe some stances I've taken on something. I've had people that, I'm thinking of one time right now where specifically I pulled a practical joke on a guy. And man, did he, did he get mad? Like he, he got really mad or, or, you know, there, there's been other times where people have been actively verbally attacking me and just, just because they're, they're upset with something happened, not that I was necessarily in the right or wrong, just the situation made them really upset. And when those things come up, I have the choice, am I going to fire back? Am I going to, you know, bow up my back and get resentful? Or am I going to say, you know, it's not worth it. It's, it's not worth to, to get into fight over these, these petty, silly things. And it's better to keep the testimony of God. I mean, I mean, Corey, have you ever had a time, maybe even yourself, there's been someone that's been just attacking you and laying into you when you didn't do anything wrong, and more or less, you just had to sit there and take it for the sake of your reputation? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that happens to... You know, that happens to everybody, you know, but I, but I think it's, and even in answering the question of, of you know, Matthew five thirty nine, how do you apply it in your own life? You know, I, I think it's like you mentioned context, context is key in, in, in everything. And, and it's so, if we can lose sight of the context of Matthew five thirty nine, because uh, what, what he was mentioning uh, and the, the whole, the whole reason that Matthew five thirty nine comes into play is Matthew five thirty eight. He says, ye have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Right. And man, we still hear that today. You know, well, you know, if you get me, I'm going to get you. That type of thing. And so Matthew 5.39 is a direct response to, to this mindset of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. For a tooth. And he says, uh, I say unto you uh, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee in thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. And you say, what, what, is, what is the point that he is driving home here? And it's, and it's all about the, the greater purpose. What, what is the good that can come from, from this situation here? You know, you mentioned somebody breaks into your house, puts your wife and your children in danger and jeopardy. You as a man have an obligation to be the defender of your home. That's right. All right. Yep. Somebody comes in and attacks you personally. Now you have to consider, how can I reach and impact this person for Christ? All right, somebody comes up and punches me in the face. Is that going to be ideal? No. I mean, it's, I, I'm, I, listen, if you meet me on the street, I would much appreciate it if you would greet me with a handshake instead of a punch to the nose. However, is a punch to the face going to, to end my life? Well, I don't know. I'm a little fella. So, I mean, I guess if the guy's big enough and, you know, he hauls off and hits me hard enough, I guess blunt force trauma <laughs> to the head could. But, 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 but in this illustration here, it's, it's more, this is more like a slap on the face. Smite thee in thy right cheek. It's more like, you know, that, that insulting slap. All right, so th- that's not really putting my life at danger, but it's more hurting my personal pride. Oh, yeah. So what I'm having to weigh out is me defending my personal pride worth the opportunity to impact this person for the Lord. Yeah. The, the illustration about if a man, if he order you to go a mile, go with him twain, you know, that's, that's, that's a direct uh, illustration of how the Roman, uh, Israel was under Roman oppression, how a Roman uh, soldier could come and order an Israelite to carry his stuff for a mile. And that was as far as the law 
mandated him to go. What Jesus was saying was, listen, if he compels you to go a mile, go with him too. What's that going to do? It is going to, it's going to, in another passage we read, heap coals of fire upon their head. There's going to be a burning conviction because, man, I just slapped you in the face. I just publicly disrespected you, yet you just got up and handled it with grace and dignity and, and, you know, deflated the situation right there. Oh, yeah. That is going to cause now an opportunity for the, like you said, the love of God to be displayed in someone else's life. So, how do I apply Matthew 5.39 in my own life? I have to ask myself, what's more important to me? My personal pride or my personal reputation for God? Is it more important that I defend my pride or that I display the love of God? And I think all that has to be taken oh, into consideration. Yeah. And, you know, you, you brought up a good point. I think it's important to bring out just because of this verse. You know, this this could be one of the ones where people would say, oh, here's a here's a contradiction. You know, here's a contradiction in God's word. And by the way, if you're one of our listeners, we don't believe there are contradictions in God's word. If, if there is something that's different, it's probably because we're not understanding it correctly. And here's, here's where I'm going to bring this out. Um, you know, where it says, ye have heard an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The reason they have heard it is because it's written in the Old Testament. It, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. I believe it's in Deuteronomy that that was written in the Old Testament law. So now someone would be saying, oh, well, Jesus is going back on his law. Well, hang on. If you remember, the Old Testament law, that's a governmental law. You know, the, God was setting up what was going to be the law of Israel. So do I believe an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth? Well, let me ask you. If someone runs over your mailbox, do you believe they should pay for it? Yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. If, if, someone, if someone you know causes damage to your house, should they, should they pay restitution? Yes. If someone is a thief you know, and they have, they have stolen X amount of dollars and it gets to the point where they're a felony, should they have to pay for their crime? Yes. So we, we still believe an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But what was happening is... Jesus, when he was preaching his message, he wasn't preaching to a government. He was preaching to people and people as individuals. It's not my job to go and attack somebody and to retaliate because they're making fun of me. Mm-hmm. See, that's the difference. There's a difference between what's going on in government and what's going on between me and my friends. So, to, so the question that was asked that we saw in Cora, and guys, a good question. I mean, we want you guys to listen to these, think of some questions that we can bring to the table, submit these to us. But the question is, how do we apply turning the other cheek? Personally, I have to apply that when, and what as Corey said, is it comes to what's, what's going to hurt my pride? Is it, is it easier for me to just chalk it up as, yeah, I was a dummy, and just brush it off and go on? That's what we ought to do. You know, instead of attacking back at someone because, you know, because my pride is hurt, you know, let the eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth thing. Let that be government. We're going to let that we're going to let that go back to where where it's supposed to be in the law. And when it comes to personal relationships, we're going to turn the other cheek as much as possible. We're going to we're going to have peace until peace is no longer an option. Well, man, I tell you, I think for for our first episode, for man, for our first show, I think it's been a good show. We brought up some good stuff, um, guys. It's kind of a recap. We looked at our practice of the day. R- remember what worship is. I want you all, if you're listening to this radio show right now or this this podcast, what I want you to do is next time you spend time in prayer, take a few minutes to actually offer God worship. 
You know, instead of just going to in prayer saying, Lord, here's my checklist for the day. This is what I need, ABC. And by the way, we do ask for things. But make sure you actually spend time offering something to God in spirit. Not in not looking for a fuzzy feeling, but what's in your spirit and what's in what's in truth according to John 4:24. And then we learn with, with, our, uh, with our character, we learn from Bezalel how, look, there's no one job that's more important than any other. God can, can take someone that's a carpenter, and maybe no one really even knows his name, and his job is equally as important. You know, it's not that pastors and missionaries are any better than anyone else. We just have different jobs. I mean, God has called us to different things. Right. Doing what it is that God has given you, yeah, do, doing the task. Uh, and then the two, as we've learned from our, our question that was asked today, you know, turning the other cheek. That's an important thing to do. Just make sure we see that in the right context. You know, make sure we understand that turning the other cheek is going to be when uh, maybe when someone at church says something to you that's maybe it's a snide remark someone says to you at work. Yeah, you can get bent out of shape and, you know, let that tear you up on the inside. Or you can say, you know, I'm just going to let it go and love them anyway. You know, that's, that's where we're going to turn our other cheek. That doesn't mean Christians are supposed to be pacifists, but it does mean we're going to show love whenever we can. Well, Corey, I think today's been a pretty good show. Absolutely. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And after months and months and months of talk and speculation and trying to figure this <laughs> yeah. thing out, it's good to see it all finally come to fruition. Yeah, it's, fi- it's finally here. Well, folks, hey, listen, if you're going to be one of our listeners, again, it's our very first show, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. That way, once a week, you'll get something. I think it'll be a help to you. Uh, you know, if as one of the things we said in the introduction, we don't want this show to be one that's just, just full of fluff. You know, we actually want to give you stuff that you can take and you can use. Uh, we want it to be real advice. You know, and if you're, and if you're facing some kind of spiritual problem, you need spiritual help. Uh, you know, if you have something in the Bible you don't understand, please reach out to us. I mean, shoot us an email, give us a question, and if it's something you wouldn't mind us hosting on the show, you know, maybe that'd be something that would help others as well. Well, thank you for joining us today. I hope you guys have a great week, and we'll see you next time.